0: You're listening to Your Music, Your Business, a podcast helping you to explore the business behind your music. Monica, thank you so much for joining the Your Music, Your Business podcast. You are actually the first uh, interviewer, so
1: welcome. Yay, I'm so excited.
0: Yeah, I love, th- I feel like it really is very good Oh, timing's not the word, but I feel like it's meant to be that you're the first person on the, on the
1: podcast. It's like a full circle moment because yeah. I remember one of the first times that we hung out in person was when you came over to my house and um, this is post big sound and yes. we had some wines and we recorded a episode for my podcast. So it's really, really cool that yeah. now you're you've started a podcast and I get to be on it.
0: Yeah, and I think even more ironically is um, your podcast is the first ever podcast I've been on. So there you go, Ah, full circle. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Love it. It was meant to be.
0: Yes. Well, today I wanted to have a bit of a chat with you about mentoring and coaching within the music industry because it definitely is a space that both of us are finding within the music industry at the moment is new and different and um we're definitely challenging the beliefs of a lot of different people in the industry mm, um, yes. some of those people that have been around for years and then some of them who've just been around for a little while and they love it and some don't and it's just a wild ride <laughs> <laughs> um, but i did want to sort of start off first by sort of asking you how do you define what you do and can you just like give me an overview of what what's what's happening with you right now
1: (laughs) yes um so currently well uh, this very week I'm doing a new intake of coaching clients so a new lot of bands a new lot of people wanting to start businesses or grow their businesses in the music industry and that has been really fun so specifically what I help with is I help bands and artists, usually with their release strategy, but that touches upon so many different areas, such as branding, your market positioning, how the band works as a team, whether they're set up correctly from an admin perspective, if they have their finances in order, because if you don't have that, then they're not really going to have the money for the advertising tactics Mm -hmm. that we discussed together. So it's really what I do is kind of like for bands, at least it's the step before management. So it's really bringing a band from the local level to a point where they're generating a buzz and where they're ready for management and to work with, you know, someone like yourself, or whether they're ready to bring a booking agent on board and, you know, lots of bands that i worked with have bleh, lots of bands that I've worked with have also had label offers and have like gotten signed. So it's really about, taking your band and treating it as a business and getting it to that next level, which means bringing people onto your team. That's kind of what I specialize in. And for the business coaching side, it is about generating new revenue streams. And my mission at the moment is to help people that are doing their business as a side hustle to take it to main hustle, because that's something that I've been working towards for the past couple of years. And it's something that I'm really passionate about. I went full-time in my business in April and it was kind of scary, but not really. It just feels like this is the right path for me. I was never built for a nine to five and I felt really misaligned with who I truly was as a person. And I know that you're the same, like you have always been your own boss for such a long time. And it's just like, there are certain people who that is their path, but unfortunately we don't always have the skills or we aren't encouraged to pursue that path. So that's um, that's the focus with business coaching is taking it from side hustle to main hustle whilst also making a good income because I believe people need to be paid fairly for their work and also making an impact within the music industry and really uh, making sure that, you know, especially like people, I love helping people that are passionate about equality and inclusivity, because that's, you know, something that we need in the music industry right now. And I want to support business owners to flourish if that's the, if that's their beliefs.
0: Yeah. And to help, help them grow that. And I think the bit that I love about your whole business model is that You know, when you talk to bands, it's like it's coming from a space where you've been in bands, you are in a band and you are growing. It's not like you're coming from, you know, a a booking agent's perspective or even a manager's perspective like I do and just being like, well, I think you should do this. You're like, well, I have tried this. This is how it (laughs) felt. Um, (laughs) This is how much it cost us. Please don't do that. And then (laughs) like from the business perspective, it's like you've got those like years behind you of trying to make the hustle and trying to do a side hustle and then move it into something full time. Like, yeah, there's no, I think for me, the definition I have with you is definitely like you are the person that like practices what they preach basically and do yeah, it
1: very I, well. <laughs> thank you. No, I hope so. Um, and it's not to say that one's better than the other, because obviously, you know, people that work in the industry, I mean, most of them are musicians anyway, so they can kind of get it, but, um, You know, and and obviously they do have a lot of knowledge to share. So it's not like one's better than the other. But I think for me, the difference is, I mean, look, I've made every mistake in the book. I've tried it. I've I've done the crazy weekenders to some random country town and like rented a van and spent thousands of dollars to play to two people. I've done that shit when I was younger. And I understand that finances are. A huge issue within bands and you know coming from a digital marketing background as well you know my goal is to always like try and say that not that this isn't anyone else's goal but like I feel like I can really really it's one of my values to spend money on things that require an investment and save money on things that aren't going to help artists and um but most of most of all like I've just made every mistake in the book which is (laughs) try to help other bands avoid
0: yeah and which I think a lot of people do relate to and you know find it a lot easier to work with you versus you know other people in the industry because they know you get it and they're not really uh, like afraid to come forward about what they're feeling um which sort of leaves me to really like great segue into my next question which is like Obviously you work with a whole range of different artists and art and clients and all that sort of thing. And I definitely find this myself. I find working across different artists and different dynamics and different people that there's so many different um, strategies you have to use. <laughs> how, do you, how do you find that? Like do you find that it's different um, per band or client you work with, or even if they're international, like the differences in cultures?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I've niched down quite hard in my business. So I just specialize in the heavy music scene. And that's because the culture, you know, there's such a strong culture, which I understand like the back of my hand. And also, you know, part of what I help with is like connecting people and networking and the contacts that the bands need to, you know, you know, for example, what PR company I think is going to suit them. Um, But within that, of course, there's bands even though they're within that heavy slash alternative sector they're all at different levels in their careers so for example i was working with a band called desecrator for the last three months i've just wrapped up with them and they were they're a band that has been around for over a decade they're a thrash band um they know their target demographic they are a band that used to be signed to a label. And then when they started uh, when they started prepping for this next album release, they decided to do it themselves. So they hired me and their PR person, Dicey, to come on board, join their team, and help them with this next release. And so for them, they already had a brand established. They already knew their audience so well and they knew what they wanted to do, but they worked with me on specifically the release timeline, um, which mediums of like marketing would work for them and it was more so about the execution of the release and helping them with social media content ideas and stuff like that to keep the ball rolling um as they were you know um independent it was an independent release and also we had some meetings with like the pr and stuff and just coordinating and making sure it went smoothly from an admin perspective but with other bands I've worked with bands that are going through rebrands, which I love working with bands on rebrands. It it allows, yes. Oh my gosh. It allows us to really get creative and like who, what does this band have to say? How do they want to present themselves? And it's focused on like the visuals, the values, and we spend more time crafting uh, the branding aspect than the actual, you know, prior to going into a release. So yeah, I, I hope that answers your question. It's like, even though I've niched down quite hard, every band needs something different. And every um, every sort of client, I have a different sort of relationship with in, in what I'm involved with, with their band.
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel the same. And even that whole branding conversation, it's like, they all go so differently. Like some bands are super open to so many different ideas. And um, even just like concepts when you're talking about promo and like saying oh how about we do this it's a bit out there but you know let's see and some bands just lock down they're like no that sounds like we're going to embarrass ourselves other bands are like we might get cancelled for that um (laughs) 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 and then other bands are like yeah let's do it who cares so it's yeah I find that like such an interesting um part of the industry because you know I work with a lot of alt-rock pop punk bands and yeah what some bands are open to and some aren't just are so dependent on um who those people are in the bands but then also you know have they been in other bands before that have worked or haven't worked and um things like that do you find that like the people that have been doing it for a while or been in other bands they're a lot more happy to keep trying think new things or what have you oh my
1: gosh it really depends i mean with hiring like people like us, you really have to have an open mind and you really have to have a trust in the person that you're hiring to consult with you. Because if you don't trust them, then that's kind of weird that you're paying us like hundreds of dollars. Um, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) but like, I mean, as an artist myself, it's so easy to become really attached to your work and to become really attached to you know, especially if you've been around a long time to become really attached to how you've always done things. And so sometimes sometimes experience in some people can lead to being less open-minded, which is interesting because, you know, they're usually hiring me to get to the next level and it's like, well, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. But then sometimes experience also like it just depends on the individual because i've worked with a number of experienced bands who are just so open and so showing up to do the work and it's like yes they have all this experience and they want to take on my experience and you know most of the time i don't have very many disagreements with my clients at all so most of the time like as long as i explain things correctly if this is why i think we should do this then um that's fine but um it, it at the end of the day it's like how how the individual artist or band wants to express themselves and their music. And as much as I can come in with a, a fresh third party perspective, which is so, so valuable, I know this, not just cause I do it, but also I've had people do that with my band and coach my band and stuff like that. It's so valuable, but also uh, at the end of the day, like we, we can say our piece, but the band knows what's mm. best for them in their core. So, um, you know, I had a discussion with one of my bands the other day and I was giving them a recommendation and they didn't take it, but they didn't really investigate it either. And I was, I came back to them and I was like, Hey, like, you know, you need to look into this because this is actually a really key part of your strategy and I need you to take it seriously. And so they were like, they kind of got like, you know, a kick up the butt a little bit. And then they went back and they came back to me and was like, okay, I understand why you suggested this. This is why it's not going to work for us at this point in time, but for the next single, I think it will. So thank you for pushing us to look into it. Um, but still for this particular release, it's not going to work. And I was like, that's all I ask. Just like look into it. And I was like, hell yes. I was like, as long as there's an educated decision, then, um, yeah. That's, that's, you know, as long as they know what's best for them at the end of the day, they know their their band more than I do.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, t- I feel the same as well about my clients as sort of like, there's definitely spaces where I will say, let's definitely do this and they'll disagree. And we sort of go backwards and forwards and have that same dialogue you had as sort of like, well, this is where my opinion is. And that's where your opinion is. Is there any way to meet in the middle? And, you know, as we've chatted about before, management is is different from what you do um, in its small intricacies. I think there's a lot of stuff that we do very similar. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I am, it's funny because with my, my clients, my mentoring clients, I'll be like, you know, this is what I think you should do. I totally like get yeah, if you don't want to do it and have that same perspective. But then when they're my management clients, I'm just like, no, we should do it my way. <laughs>
1: you have to do this (laughs) Yeah, and then and then then
0: they like still fight me on it I'm like okay we'll do it your way but if I'm right you get to tell me that I'm right
1: okay (laughs) the difference is like and I think that that's a it is a different relationship between a manager and a consultant because a consultant is just there to consult Mm. and I I call myself a coach but really I'm like a coach slash consultant I guess um because I'm, I'm giving, like, I'm not just, like, guiding them through and helping them with, like, mindset and stuff. I'm helping them with strategy. But, you know, I get paid regardless. <laughs> and so, like, ultimately, even though it's, like, way less job satisfaction for me and I am in this because I want to make a difference, ultimately, if a band, you know, doesn't take my suggestions and it, like, all goes to shit, I still get paid regardless. Whereas as a manager, I guess it, it's definitely more of an integration of your businesses although you know to be honest like my consulting clients also do like the success of them also reflects on my business and my reputation so that also is a thing but like you know you don't get paid if your artists don't get paid and I think that that's the difference of why um, and and my band doesn't have a manager right now Um, we're choosing to be self-managed but we do have a booking agent and it's like the booking agent will be like hey we shouldn't add Sydney to this tour. That's probably not going to happen in September. Let's, I'm recommending that we take Sydney off the, off the bill, off the list or whatever. And I'll be like, no, I want to play Sydney just for my own selfish reasons. Cause I have a lot of friends and stuff there. And then, um, you know, we'll vote on it. And ultimately it's like, we have to trust his decision and I'm so Mm. glad that we did because we're meant to be doing an east coast tour last weekend and uh clearly that didn't happen so (laughs) uh, he was right (laughs) (laughs) and he was right and he didn't have to go through the stress of like an extra work of rescheduling a bunch of shows I mean he did anyway because we just you know we tried to do just Melbourne and Adelaide but you know at least that was one thing that he didn't have to do
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah I totally get that and I think the the um The management side of it too that comes back to that time thing again it's sort of like with consulting clients we get that sliver of time and it's like a one release or it's two releases and um you're not like fully immersed into the whole brand and the makeup of everything and as you said like you know you suggest things to people but at the end of the day they know their band Whereas with my full-time management clients, it's like, I know that band. <laughs> I know your band. Exactly.
1: That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's
0: like you, you sort of become another member because you're like, you get so deep rooted into it, which is what I love. Um, especially because I'm, you know, become a member of the band, but don't have to financially put up you know
1: money for it I just have to donate yeah you just get to enjoy (laughs) well it's just really your time and effort that's that's the equivalent of the of your financial
0: yeah which um, is pretty
1: much you know equal sometimes if not more (laughs) yes I believe you
0: yeah yeah, I think my my next uh, question was I we touched on it at the start of the consulting and mentoring in the music industry is actually sort of a bit of a new space and it is growing mm. and it is something that some people are really open to and some people aren't. Um, I Like where are you seeing it being a growing space, like more in those really um, emerging bands that have been around for a little bit and tried some things or like brand new people. I know our music climate has made it a lot harder for new bands to come through. So it's a bit mm-hmm. of a semi-relative um question in in regards to like new people but like you know bands that are like two or three years old I would say would be new still in, in mm, regards yes because lockdown sucked last year and this year <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, you weren't really a band okay yeah
1: yeah it doesn't count right yep. <laughs> it
0: um, doesn't count for me Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, you finding with the the consulting clients that it is more of a growing space for the new people or the more developed
1: ones. I think so. I mean, I first started in 2018 and I had had an experience around 2015 or 14 with my old band where I approached a manager and he managed some really great bands and he was also a a local promoter And I said, Hey, can you manage us? (laughs) And he was like, you ain't ready for management, but I'm happy to consult with you. And that was my first sort of experience with hiring someone as a consultant. And since then I've hired multiple people to consult with my band who are in different sectors of the music industry to me or further along than me. And but still, like, I mean, I had that experience, as I said, in, in 2014 and 15. It completely changed my band's trajectory. We started playing the exact venues that we wanted to play. We started to sell out shows. We toured overseas. We got so many big support slots in such a short amount of time. It really helped our career because we finally got an insight into the way the modern music industry actually worked and the exact steps that we needed to do to get our name out there and holy crap it really worked but when I first started in my business in 2018 I mean I kind of had this concept in the back of my mind of what I wanted to do but it took a band actually reaching out to me being like hey I see that you have experience in social media and knowledge and (laughs) I'd been working as a music journalist for quite a number of years and had grown my profile there. And they were like, I don't know what exactly we want from you, but we just want to pay you to talk to us and to help us. And their manager actually hired me and we had some, Sessions, um, in person, actually sessions here in Melbourne at a pub in Brunswick um, for a few weeks. And Such it was like during, team, by the way, in a pub. I, <laughs> like <I Ben-Z>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just, I brought my laptop, we all had beers. Um, it was like a summer's evening and we're sitting out the front. And I was like, holy crap, I could do this forever. Like, I could just talk about music, talk to good people about music, have a beer, you know, that's so the music industry, right? Mm. Um, and, but like, then I had major imposter syndrome because there wasn't anyone in the music industry that I knew personally or that I knew really who was doing consulting and coaching and, and yeah, being in the coaching space of the music industry. And so it was kind of scary because I really had to model my own business after people that were outside of the industry. Mm -hmm. And I knew that it was something that people wanted because you do have to test the market and as i said people were coming to me i was getting dms every single day from people that i knew people that i didn't know asking me advice and i knew that there was some sort of gap the gap between the artist and the industry side which you know that gap i only knew knew how to fill that gap because then i worked in the industry and i was like oh my god i've learned so much and there's no there's no way for musicians to know all this stuff unless they work in the industry or have someone to guide them right mm. so i knew that there was a need for it but It was hard because, yeah, I felt like I was breaking the mold kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Like I felt like the only people that I really heard of that were doing something similar, like manage the band um, or, you know, they worked for a music college like JMC or AIM Mm -hmm. and they were lecturers there and that's how they imparted their knowledge. There wasn't anyone that was just going out there being a solopreneur, just educating bands and having consulting sessions. So I was fearful that other people in the music industry, because I realized that, you know, not to toot my own horn, I realized like it's a pretty smart business model <laughs> to have, like in the sense that I, I didn't have an interest in being a band manager because I had my own band that I was managing mm. and I was also working full time and well, actually, I think when I started my business, the kick up the butt was I got made redundant and I was like, shit, how do I make money? So that was really the kick up the butt. But like, you know, after that, I was working full time and I just never really was interested in management. And I know that that's such a long haul vision and I, my number one priority has always been my own band, but I still wanted a way to impart the knowledge. You know, we work together for three months or so, they pay me, then they go off. It's like, and a value of mine is to teach a band to fish. Mm-hmm. Um so I knew that it was like a really great business model and I was like holy crap why is no one cottoned onto this yet especially in Australia since then I've met numerous people especially in the US and and globally who do a similar thing to me but there's still not many of us so yeah like it's it is still very new but I now I'm seeing more and more people and it's kind of cool like there's more and more people that are actually reaching out to me who run Uh, businesses in other sectors of the music industry like music media or um, something else and they're actually coming to me and being like you've inspired me to add consulting and online courses to as a income stream to my business Mm -hmm. and to me I don't I don't see this competition I think that like there is such a need and also you know we all teach in our own special way like I, I was having this discussion with um Kate from Westwood Management the other day and um who I know, you know, and mm. it was like, she was, she was saying, you know, cause she's from Melbourne too. She's like, there's no competition. And she is um, you know, she has her niche and stuff like that. And the way that she teaches is going to be very, very different to the way that I teach, you know, I'm kind of abrasive. I'm <laughs> like very blunt. I swear all the time. And I tell it like it is. And, But I also, you know, am really focused on like building people up, of course, and like Mm. um, I get really enthusiastic. Um, So it's like the people that resonate with my style are going to come to me and the people that resonate with someone else's style. So, yeah, it's been really cool to see, you know, as a long winded answer, it's been really cool to see more and more people going into this because it really is a business model that I think serves really well for the person running the business and also the clients.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think I was going to add to that of, like, there. I actually touched on this in my first episode of sort of, like, everybody has a different perspective of the industry and everybody has tried something different. So what might work for you might not work for my band or it might not work for the band next, um, like, the next band we work with. Um, And I think, like, that's what makes a lot of the mentors and coaches, like, just not even in the set, like in a field of playing, um, you know, fighting over clients because it's sort of just like, well, we've all got different perspectives um, and we've all had different experiences. It's just where the new client um, sees, you know, like they want this um, out of their um, coach or they've seen that you've been able to get, uh, you know, another client, I don't know, a release or, Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it's like, you know, I've had multiple business coaching clients. You know, at first I worked with um a girl called Erin Henry from Melbourne, and she had a certain um manner when coaching and she and the program that she was running was so perfect for where I was at but now I work with a different coach Ruby Lee who's actually Erin's best one of Erin's best friends and Ruby has a different approach and her um you know her program is appropriate to now where I'm at which is further along so it's like we work with different people at different times but also yeah as you said we we need different styles at different times as well and it's like there's the thing about like music marketing particularly is like there's no hard and fast right answer. There's no Mm -hmm. wrong answer. It's just like, unfortunately, you know, I wish that I could say like, this is, you know, obviously we know that you and I know that there's like a general framework, um, but like, there's no specific formula. That's like, if you spent X amount of dollars on this platform and like release on this particular date, and it has to be like Friday the 13th and like, Mm -hmm. well, and like have read in your, like, single art, then this is the formula to success. No, it's, it's not, that just doesn't happen. If you're looking for that, or if someone promises I'm going to get you 10,000 followers by having like one 30 minute session with me, like, fuck that. That's a scam.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then also like the, the best part, well the best and worst part of the industry is like that whole example of like, there is a framework, but depending on when you release and, what your release is, and who else is releasing, and all that sort of thing affects how successful or not successful that framework will be at that time. And yeah, yeah, 90, which is the most annoying part is that ninety-five percent of the time, we like most, like most of those things, we can't predict. Yes, <laughs> yeah, five percent is like we've you know
1: we put some money on it when and we know it'll be a sure bet, but. The rest well, of that's the thing. good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you can plan everything to a T and then like Joey Jordison passes away mm. and like, you know, you're just not going to get any, like you, you're just not going to get that much media coverage. Like yeah. if you're releasing on that day, because you know, that's kind of like a once in a lifetime thing. And it's like, no one can predict that. Yeah. So
0: yeah, exactly. Or lockdowns being announced the day after your release or which has happened Mm. multiple times now. Um, (laughs) um, And like, yeah, even just multiple bands releasing on the one day or the one week that are all really similar in genre. That's when I just go, Oh, because you're like yeah, i know we almost had triple j we were almost there but then we got bumped because of this band it's like oh i think that's, that's so funny yeah i, I always go um when, when that happens i go you know we should all just have like a roster and everybody has to contribute yeah. to the roster and we all know what's going on it's like oh my gosh i so prefer that And everybody like gets
1: a, a day or something that they they get to use um well my friend um curtis from um from c squared um he he's a PR person and he there's like this website that he pays to be a part of which he actually can see the up and coming releases from but it's only from like mostly major labels or like at least labels like not independent so I mean and he uses that to advise his clients like okay don't release then because like that's when the new um you know I'm trying to think of a band that's like not Slipknot because now I've got Slipknot on my mind I was like the new Corey Taylor album no um (laughs) But anyway he'll like he'll be able to see like you know if there's any major releases and if that's going to hinder like coverage you know um but that's, yeah like
0: I'll yeah definitely have to get on top of that like obviously somebody's thought that one through um but yeah even just like those unsigned artists because it is well yeah there's like so many people that just don't sign now it's because what's the point if you have the money coming from your streaming so um yeah yep. yeah it's really interesting the like for a typical day for you I know that this is a bit of a a tricky question because what is a typical day but in your ideal day what are you doing
1: (laughs) oh my god I love this question so much because like I don't know people listening to this have to understand that like I went into my own business so I didn't have to have a routine but within within the uh spontaneity of my day they use certain things that do keep me grounded so I mean like every night before I go to sleep I check my calendar that's like definitely I have to do that or else I'm gonna miss like a 9 a.m meeting um mm-hmm. so that's and I need to set my alarm with adequate time before that because especially during lockdowns one of my biggest needs is for me to go for a walk to the coffee shop, get myself a large coffee, talk to the barista, have some human interaction, walk home, getting the vitamin D. And that before I launch into any meetings or anything like that, usually, um, usually that's how it goes. So that would be like the first thing. And it's, it seems so simple, but um, you know, It's, it's those small, uh, it's those small things. Like, as I said, that human interaction during lockdown, which I really need. So that's a, that's like a priority for, for me. Um, And then, I mean, it depends on the day. Like I don't take any calls on Mondays and Thursdays just because Mondays I try and ease myself into the week and whatever that looks like for me to and I try and do something creative on a Monday or at least do some like personal developmental learning or something like that, just to feel like I've accomplished something um, without just diving in and like, you know, giving my energy to other people, which I love, but you got to fill your own cup first. Mm. Um, I mean, a day like today, for example, this is my fifth meeting. So I had, two client calls this morning um and then I had like half an hour and I did an interview on the West Underground podcast and then I was helping my friend um, Jocelyn from my business group um get her hours up for life coaching so then she life coached me for an hour and now I'm on this call with you yeah I know (laughs) so good um So I'll probably, I mean, tomorrow I think I have a couple of calls and then what I'll need to do is just replenish my energy and just, like, give myself permission to just chill and watch a movie or something, watch some Netflix. Um, I don't know. What else? I mean, I try and go for a walk. the day which i don't know which which you need for the sanity in lockdown as well yeah we are
0: um yeah i think i find it really interesting the fact that you have sort of acknowledged that you need replenishing and you need to be filling up your own cup and things like that i think that definitely comes with the like owning the business side of the music industry sort of just like and working for yourself realistically of just being like okay well this is what I do need. Um, and you know, for myself, I've come across that as well, but it took me a lot of burnout (laughs) to get there. Did you find you were the same as sort of like having to sort of learn the hard way through that, giving yourself time?
1: Yeah. I mean, I am, I'd be, I, I, um, I sent you that, that link to quiz your own human design, but um, so in human design, which is kind of like astrology, I'm a manifesting generator. And what that means is basically my body type and the way that I work best is I have a lot of ideas and I need to action them like yesterday. Mm -hmm. So like there is very little lag time between me thinking of an idea and implementing it. And I work really, really fast. And if there's anything that comes up that slows me down, I get really frustrated and, Um, I need constant change. And that's what makes me feel um, like that. That's what fills my cup is that things are new and exciting and adventure. And that's, but that suits me. Whereas my partner is very, very different to that. So in human design, he is a um, projector, and projectors actually need a lot of rest. So they, it's it doesn't mean that he's like less productive. It's like he needs to, he'll have a meeting and then he'll need to sit down and take a break and just zone out on his phone. And then he can have another meeting and then he needs to zone out. Whereas like me, I can just like somehow just whip up the energy and be like, blah, blah, blah. I mean, tonight I'll probably have like a bath and chill out. Yeah. But I think like we have to remember, especially you know, in the age of the internet that it's really easy to like look at what other people are doing and make assumptions about their life. So, you know, what I always tell, like, especially like my being in a band members because quite a lot of them have gone through burnout. In the past, I've gone through burnout. And it's like um, resting and filling your own cup is part of the work. So me going for my walks in the middle of the day, that's part of my eight hour day. I don't beat myself up and being like, Oh, you didn't work like for that one hour. Cause you went for a walk mm-hmm. if, and like, cause you know, likely I'm eating lunch at my desk anyway, but not always. Um, and the thing is, you know, we're conditioned and trained to think that sitting in front of our computer and looking productive is quote unquote doing work. And that's, it's not the case. Like, I have my best ideas when I'm out in nature going for a walk, listening to a podcast or listening to music. It's how I've always written songs. It's how I come up with ideas for podcasts and stuff like that. You don't get, you aren't creative just sitting in front of a computer. So what I've really learned is to, you know, a lot of people talk about work-life balance and I actually don't believe in that because my business is me. Like I'm a, you know, I'm a personal brand. And even if you, if you're not, if you're largely working for yourself, it's the same concept, right? So me going for a walk, that's part of my work day. Me going to yoga, that's also part of my work day. Me when I'm out with friends, like obviously I'm not going to go on my phone like when I'm out with friends because that's rude. But like I might think of an idea like while I'm waiting for an Uber and I'll write down a note in my phone. Like you you can't switch off creativity. So I find that the best way to have a balance and to look after yourself is to really get used to Blocking out the conditioning of, um, you know, the capitalist society that we live (laughs) in and that, you know, 40 hour work week is normal. And especially if you're a woman, like I got to say, we don't work on a 24 hour cycle like cis men do or anyone that was assigned like male at birth. We work on a 28-day cycle. So that means there's going to be some times in the month where we are more productive. And there's going to be some times in the month where we're like in winter and we need to rest. And that's when we do self-reflection. And yeah, like yeah, we're going to have some some other moments where we're more confident and where we're going to, where we're going to feel like really good and like really beautiful. And we want to be social butterflies. And so I think like, you know, however you identify, you know, gender-wise, it's about learning you and Mm. your body and learning to tune into what are your needs in the moment and it's really fucking hard it's taken me years to get this way because as I said I've had burnout before and um, yeah it's just you end up wasting more time if you burn out rather than just learning to take a break and listen to your body.
0: Yeah exactly and I think that whole um, you know the best ideas are outside in nature or like um, my some of my best ideas, or you know, thoughts, forming thoughts and um, concepts, actually come from talking with other people and connecting what their perception of the world is versus mine. And, um, you know, we find this a lot, but like the two of us, when we talk is sort of like, this is my perception of the industry, this is your perception of the industry. And then we sort of end up melding something
1: together. And we're like, oh, that's a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That's such an important point is like something that I was lacking for a long time. I don't know about you, but I'm sure like you can relate to it is not having people in the industry that you can bounce ideas off. Mm. and um, not having people that really get it. Um, So it's really important that you surround yourself with people who understand the path that you're trying to pursue because if you're trying to be a musician, say, but you're surrounded by quote-unquote like normy people who just have nine-to-five jobs and who don't really get the whole music thing, you're like a musician's lifestyle is extremely, extremely different. Even if you have a day job as well, it is just going to be different to you know, people that want a more stock standard nine to five. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But um, you need to surround yourself with like-minded people because, um, you you know, the people, the values of the people that you surround yourself with will like by osmosis, like integrate into yours over time and you won't even know. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that is, you know, when I work with my clients and my full-time management bands, it's sort of like you see the differences in a nine to five without any other commitments and then a nine to five with, um, you know, a band attached to it. Like it's a lot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, half of my time and day is spent on, you know, doing mental health checks and making sure everybody's okay. Cause it is tricky and it's not um, like you also fronting a lot of money um, for a lot of the you know releases that we do and mentally is hard Um, And knowing that we're making the right decision is hard. And I think there's something that's not talked about enough in the industry of like, it's hard to be in a band (laughs) and it's hard to be within the industry even, um, which is actually, you know, brings me to my next point of like, you know, we touched on this ourselves recently, um, but, you know, what does the music industry look like for us um, and our clients and, you know, even those more, developed artists um for the next two years um, you know we are currently in a, a lockdown number six in melbourne we definitely know yeah. how to do it well now <laughs> um, and yeah we've both of us have talked about you know where does that look and um you know different influences we're seeing within the industry that have positively and negatively changed our views um, of where the industry is going um, where do you feel like the industry is going for the next two years? Like, do you think it will be a, prot- a productive space or do you do you sort of see we're sort of still in a bit of a
1: stagnant area? Well, I'm going to have to reference Coach Canatelli with this answer because he said something that I think has resonated more than anything else that I've heard speaking to any other colleague who's trying to answer this question. And that's like one thing I know for sure is that we're going through another big change in the music industry, uh, which is akin to, for example, when we switched from physicals to streaming, from when we switched from vinyl to CDs, we're going through another major change now. And the other thing I know is like, I don't think anyone can answer that question for sure. I mean, one thing I think we've all learned is to be more flexible and to go with the flow and also how important the online space is because I've seen bands completely blow up in 2020, like blow up in a good way. I've also so, seen yeah. bands blow up in a bad way and break yeah. up.
0: Most um, <laughs> sides to that are incredibly relative, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, a band, you know, like, like Paperweight from Melbourne who got signed to the biggest management agency in Australia for heavy music without having played a show and then built their profile online was so good at social media, not like crazy, crazy followers. Like it's still appropriate to how long they've been around again, like expectations, but you know, and then they got signed to like the biggest, you know, open door management, arguably the biggest management company in Australia for heavy artists and sold out their first show and now are on festivals. And it's just like, if you learn to do things correctly and if you utilize the online space properly there's no reason why that can't happen to any band as long as they've got good music um and so the- and good <laughs> what branding we've got to define that okay oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> they did they did have good branding oh they did and
0: i think that was you know part of the difference um and sort of having those conversations when they needed to because i think you're completely right yeah. i think you know last year we saw a change in the music industry and we're obviously still seeing a big change and a change i personally didn't expect to still keep happening but you know last mm. year i think sort of blew out um it like blew out of the water all those sort of like guidelines or, or expectations or markers that we were trying to aim towards in regards to helping bands climb up their career ladder it's sort of like you know some bands last year were able to go from nothing to like huge accomplishments um yeah and you know even your band with Unify and stuff like that like that's huge and like you know the the career run is so different than what it was like say two years ago um but then there's bands that have taken such different strategies where they've just like gone quiet and mm. they've come out and then they've gone back in and then they've come out and gone back in. It's like so interesting to see. And I think that's that's the bit um, for me of like where that question comes from of like in the next two years, do we think like I, I'm not sure if that will still be relative when shows come back because I think mm. shows are such a big definer for people and like uh, pretty much sets everybody out on their you know where are they on the career It's like if they're mm, yeah North that's a social and if they're like so true out, yeah and if, if they're selling out Northcote Social if they're selling out the corner it's like well you're there now <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah so it's I find it like that whole perception of where that in, where the industry is at for the next two years um really interesting and I think coach is right in that whole thing of like it's going to keep changing and it is like one of those little points Um, because even just you know the venues that will survive versus won't it will affect the whole flow of like will new bands come you know come out of the woodwork um, once everything opens back up again will they have venues to play with if they don't like will they get on to you know support slots quick enough and all that sort of stuff and
1: it mm. all has a
0: ripple effect in the end of the day
1: yeah I mean the thing that was the hardest part about 2020 was that we had to take such a break my own I'm just talking about my own band um because we could only record new music in certain pockets and we had one single ready to go but then the video keep, clip get it kicked kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Like, I think it was like five or six times. It was really emotionally draining. Um, But we, you know, at the same time, it really forced us to take a step back and to reassess and to replan and to reset goals and come up with a plan that was so detailed because literally it was as an artist, like it was killing me not being able to move forward and feeling like, you know, seeing other bands who had music ready to go and videos ready to go, who could dominate the market, this online market and who were prepared for it without knowing, you know, that was really hard to watch. And, but ultimately, you know, what I could do was I could focus on my business, which I did. um, And I could, do i could take the actions that we could do you know ricky worked really hard on you know my bass player ricky he worked really hard on like visual concepts and really helping us hone those um you know ben was working on like backing tracks and i was working on the release plan and stuff and i was planning in as much detail as i could and we were we were planning and doing every single thing that we could do and i think that that's why you know this year has been so like we've kept so many amazing goals more than what we thought we could is because we had that time to actually put a plan together and the plan changed because 2020 just was a crazy year and the plan that we had at the beginning of the year going into it looks so different to the plan that we had at the end of the year going into 2021 so i'm actually even though it was just so horrible um you know that feeling of not feeling like I was moving forward in my career, I'm still so grateful that, you know, I was able to plan and that we could then execute the plan, which um, has landed us some really cool opportunities now. Yeah,
0: definitely. And I think that was in some ways where you saw some bands really flourish and some bands that just couldn't handle. um, Those bands that did actually use the time to write music and plan um, were the ones that like really hit it off and also those bands that kept a really open mind to things like um mm. we definitely had the concept of animated music videos thrown around a lot um yeah yeah, yeah and and like I, th- I think that kept happening until somebody realized how expensive it was and how much time it <laughs> was gonna take yeah let's <laughs> like, not do that then <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah i think it definitely last year was um it was hard not doing shows and I think you know personally I found it even harder this year because there's been people that like at least last year it was like everybody was locked down nobody could move nobody could do anything really and nobody could like you can only have a digital growth online whereas now it's like we get put on shows that don't happen or there'll be like you know, Adelaide and Perth or whatever, like still open and all these bands are like up over there. And you're like, yeah, (laughs) Um, like it's going to create such an interesting dynamic within the industry once we're all back. Um, But yeah, it's like creating differences in um, bands and opportunities that just I, I personally, I just, I'm struggling at the moment just like sitting here and going, I can see other the band's doing things and we can't. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, it's been, um, it, and it's just literally been potluck sometimes. Mm. The, we were meant to play to Octavia's single release show for one of their first singles off the EP, and they released like two or three more singles and dropped the EP since And they still haven't played the show. (laughs) And, like, that show was meant to be in May. Oh, wow. I think. Yeah. Yeah, May or early June, I want to say. I'm pretty sure. And then it's just been pushed back so many times. Meanwhile, we've played several gigs in between, you know, (laughs) that we got invited to that show Mm -hmm. and in between now just simply out of potluck because, yeah, we just got invited to do some, you know, spur of the moment, stay gold shows that were free entry. And that was really great because everyone was like craving playing shows then. And so, you know, the thing was sold out and it was free entry and it was like really great for the punters. It was really great for us for exposure and also just to be at a bloody player show. Mm -hmm. So like there's been, you know, and Red Hook managed to, you know, for example, do their whole Australian tour tour in between wow. some of the lockdowns. They didn't get any shows cancelled. They went to bloody Perth. That's how, yes. like, lucky they were. Yeah. Yes. And then there's a poor... Yeah. There's Sorry a poor...
0: Yeah. Hey, like, I have Bad Juju, who I look after. Like, they, honestly, I'm, I'm almost like certain that they need to actually change their band name because every show that they keep on getting asked for gets like cancelled or rescheduled because of lockdowns so I'm
1: like guys there's something in the name like please oh my god
0: good juju. <laughs> yeah exactly it's like it's yeah. also makes it such a good pun when we like again have to reschedule something like their show their headline shows now like it's fourth or fifth reschedule and now we're like oh we'll just push it back to December after the second singles
1: release this year it's like oh my god I know I know oh it's just and it's just as yeah as I was saying it's just like potluck you know poor to Octavia who just want to play this one bloody Melbourne show and it's been postponed five times (laughs) oh it's crazy right
0: it's just bizarre it's definitely the a really good example of where our industry is at right now
1: um and just learning yeah. to accept what is. I think it's like the biggest lesson is like it's there's so much that's out of our control, so we just need to focus on what is in our control. Mm, and exactly I think that that's just a lesson to learn forever.
0: <laughs> yes, which sometimes is such a hard thing to sit through. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mental health is great
1: when that has to happen. <laughs> uh, don't even ask me, I was up till 2 a.m. last night just stressing about our facebook ads being shut down it's been Um, shut down since may and they won't tell us why like what the uh, breach was and i've submitted all these business documents anyway this is what i talked about in my life coaching session earlier today i was like i'm frustrated with facebook and (laughs) but ultimately we had a really successful release for hindsight just with no facebook ads whatsoever like we got two festival offers like thousands of streams playlisted like all the things that we wanted to tick off like rotation everything that we wanted to tick off like everything on our list and more like it blows my mind without any facebook ads so it's like That's bizarre like that platform facebook's dying but anyway <laughs> i was up till 2am stressing about it until i had to just yeah. put on a meditation and yeah, just be like tell oh, myself well. to stop <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. That's definitely uh, the truth, right there, isn't it? It's just sort of like, and here is another example: is how everything is so different and so hard in at times, and then so easy at others. It's just, yeah,
1: definitely. And that I, goes back to like what we are saying about, you know, the hustle culture. It's like, yeah, like I preach, I preach incorporating looking after your mental health as part of the work, and like. I may share like all the fun stuff on social media, but people aren't seeing, this doesn't happen a lot. Like I'm not saying that it's anything that people should be worried about, but it's like people are so unaware on social media of what goes on behind the scenes. Like no, if I wasn't on this podcast, no one would have known that I was literally like wh- eyes wide open staring at the roof last night till 2 a.m. worried about the, fa- the fact that we can't seem to resolve this issue with Facebook ads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And there's literally nothing I can do about it. I've done nothing wrong. It's like an issue on their end. And from what I hear from most people, they're having trouble with Facebook ads. But like all of that aside, it's like, I don't know. I just think it's like an interesting insight that I just wanted to reference that because I just think it's so easy to get caught up with other people's lives on socials and you just really never know what's happening.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's definitely something that I see people start to show a bit more of that side of the struggles and things, but obviously you can't show everything. Um, and yeah, I think that's also the other side of this podcast is like showing the realities of like, this is hard and like, but, and like, it's a business and you've mm. got to trade it that way. And like, there's going to be so many ups and downs. And I think what really sums up the industry for me in regards to how hard it can be, um, and also, also how easy it can be sometimes. It's like when you get to the release day and you go, just looking around, just being like, it, "This seems a little easy. This, yeah. this is this something I haven't done yet?" <laughs> and you sort of just like, and, and then you go, "Oh no, I haven't done this," and it's just you know starts you off into the next spiral of things. It's just um, it's definitely that scenario right there sums up what the industry is. It's like, oh
1: actually oh no that hasn't been done that's a huge issue right there (laughs) do you think that that's why a lot of people quit really early on is because there's this perception about the music industry I know I know that it's like cliche to say like oh it's not all like glitz and glamour but do you think that people like that's why a lot of people quit is because I guess like it's impossible to see like the full the full picture it's like yeah like I don't know because on one hand Take Big Sound for example. It's just a week long party, and it's like you will learn so much by just having a beer with people and drink and getting drunk with people. Like in other facets of the music industry, like you will literally learn so much. I learned more, like from one week at Big Sound, completely off my face, than I did in my three year bachelor degree. Honestly, yep. <laughs> which is, um, which shows what the industry is like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that and that's like cool and that happens and it's real and it's legit but also you know it it's like a lot of unpaid work mm-hmm. um, which is one of my values to try and stop but like I don't know what are your thoughts on that
0: um I think foundationally the the open perception on how long it takes in anybody's career, mm. whether it be within the industry or as a musician in the industry, is just not talked about um, enough. Yes. Pay yep. is yep. not talked about enough. Um, I think yes, the struggles of how hard it is is not talked about enough. There's not really. Um, I, f- I feel like where our industry struggles with that is we have this weird side to our culture where you can say something and have an opinion, but there's probably always going to be somebody who's going to heckle you about it. Yeah. Um, oh. Which is like it's, it's, it's put people in their place in different hierarchies, which is a positive and a negative, but it has made it a lot harder for musicians and people in the industry sort of go like I'm actually where I need to be or I'm actually doing the right thing I need to do and I'm sure you've Mm. found this as well but like I half the time I'm like am I making an impact does anybody know about me am I do I even know anything do I know anybody and then you have like weird examples like you know I have a great support of people around me at the moment who build me up and say wow like you are doing amazing work you're doing really really well and then there's like those really weird other sides where like I had for some reason I was procrastinating yesterday and I went into my contacts in my emails and I started sorting them I don't just don't ask me (laughs) 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 obviously I've got a week off from my main (laughs) job But I love I that. Like, I didn't even get halfway through. I got to like the G's and um, or the G's. Sorry, I'm home. I'm homeschooling at the moment with kids. So, <laughs> 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 um, but I got to the to the G's or the G's, and I'd already had two hundred industry contacts, and I was like, "What? Wow! Oh, oh my god. god! I know that many people. Like, I totally recommend you do that, Monica, because like, so eye opening for me. I was like, "How? What?
1: How did I get all these people? And like some of I it, do have. Yeah, I do have a little black spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, well, so I have a little black book. Yeah, that's something I used
0: to have of like an Excel spreadsheet, but I'd stopped doing that. Um, and like, admittedly, for transparency, like some of it, some of those contacts are like, you know, like merch people that I just looked up on Google and I sent them. Yeah,
1: like yeah, like media and stuff like that. Um,
0: but yeah, like so many of them, I've connected with because of shows or bands or whatever. And then even just the bands that I have on my contact list, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like that band played with that band. Like, oh,
1: yeah, how interesting. I didn't know I knew this many people. <laughs> but what was like, what's cool though, is like you pull, you're you, you like so aware that you're procrastinating and then you just like pulled yourself up on it. And I think that that's like one of the hardest things about this industry is like, you have to be so Mm self-motivated and if you're not self-motivated you're like you're just not going to have a career yeah I I don't know I just think that that's just the way it is and that's why I also am so encouraging of like people that want to get into the coaching space because every single sports team has a coach like when you're an entrepreneur in the music industry or when you're a musician you don't have a manager to tell you that you're doing a good job we don't have HR so Mm -hmm. that's why entrepreneurs and that's why I believe that going you know more and more musicians and and people that work in the industry need to have coaches to keep them not only accountable but just feel like they have someone to talk to and Mm -hmm. I think that I think that that would be a much foster a much healthier music scene
0: yeah that's exactly right and I think the other side of that is um learning and about and being more transparent about time management as well I think that's a lot of like it's a huge part of the industry and like what I see the differences in between somebody in the music industry space who's like really making something of themselves and really helping their clients and versus the people that are just like you know sitting at the the bottom level I don't know it's it's a bit hard like you don't really want to compare people because they're all on their own paths but most of the time the people that are really successful are the ones that are like really great at time management and really great at their own boundaries and things like that and Mm. it's um but like also it needs to be said that like it's all a learning lesson it's all relative like you're not just gonna wake up one day and just be really great at time management (laughs) Um, it's like you learn a little bit and then you'll you know maybe fall back into old habits and then you know
1: progress as you go um which is the great part of life (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, time management, definitely. And look, like, no one's perfect. Um, we all have days where we procrastinate. And it's, like, sometimes we just need to procrastinate. Like, sometimes it's okay to just let ourselves, like, some, maybe we just need a brain break. Mm. or But then other times... We can ask ourselves all well, why are we procrastinating? Why are we spending so much time on redoing our website for like the 20th time, which I've definitely been guilty of? Yeah. And it's like usually because we're trying to avoid something or we're overwhelmed. And it's like, well, once we can like identify that, then we can begin to look at the problem. Like if you're a musician and you've had music recorded for the last couple of years and you haven't put it out there, but you want to put it out there and you want to grow your fan base and you want to take music seriously, but you just keep recording and writing. And, you know, it's like that meme that I always reference with the skeleton at, like the, yes. at, who's an engineer and he's like, the mix is almost done. <laughs> um, <laughs> like if you're procrastinating over putting your music out, maybe you, maybe you need to like seek information on what your next steps actually are. You know, maybe that's your next step. Maybe you're procrastinating because you don't know what to do next. Maybe you're procrastinating because you aren't confident in yourself and you're worried about judgment. Maybe you're fearful. Um, maybe you don't have enough money and you need to say
0: Yeah, money. Yeah. Which
1: oh, my gosh, 90% yes. 90% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would rather bands, like, push back releases than put stuff out without the budget to properly promote it because ultimately then it's just going to waste the money that you spent recording. So mm. yeah, I don't know, but that's my thoughts on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. I, um, I think everything we've said today has been so true. Um, can you hear my housemate vacuuming now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I That's all right. The start like before you start this podcast, I'm like, I, I live in a share house. This whole podcasting thing is going to be so hard, but hey, no. as the music industry for you. I'm like,
1: you know, my, my, my office is within my bedroom. So that's rock and it. roll, right? Yeah. You can rock and roll. My cat, <laughs> uh, don't worry. My podcast, my cat is like yowling in the background, trying to get in the room or like my partner, he sneezes <laughs> incredibly loud. Like it's, I'm oh. worried about him. Like, that's how powerful his sneezes are. And, like, it'll be, of course, when I'm trying to have an interview or record a podcast. But yeah. I don't know. It's real. This, this is life. It's like um, mm-hmm. one of my favorite like podcast episodes that I've listened to were recorded at, like, you know, I was listening to a podcast. Um, it's not around anymore. But I, I can't remember what the Rodney Holder podcast was. Um, the music music business facts. Yeah. It's not around anymore, but anyway, he has a couple of episodes that he recorded at Big Sound and you can hear like they're at the pub doing an interview with a microphone in the middle of like a bar table and you can hear all the like the music playing in the background and I don't know I think that's rad I think yeah um I actually don't mind like podcasts which have a bit of ambience to them yes,
0: exactly because <laughs> you also know that it's real and it's not just this you know fake experience um, yes yeah yeah exactly um well I really, really appreciate your time and all the insights that we've both sort of been able to um, sort of talk about. Um, I actually have one question that I'm going to be making a priority with every podcast Woo-hoo. and it is, I actually do this with my clients and it is like looking at yourself when you're 80 years old, perhaps you've got a grandchild on your lap or you're regaling people at the nursing home about your, your life story. Yeah, that's well, me. <laughs> yeah. What do you feel you'd want to say that you've achieved?
1: Oh, I just want to say that I've tried everything. Wow. Yeah.
0: Within the yeah, industry I, or are you going to start jumping out of planes now?
1: <laughs> oh no, everything like jumping out of planes still need to do that. Like I know the biggest regret that people have when they're on their deathbed is that they they regret the things that they didn't do as opposed to the things that they did. So I have always tried to remember that that fact and try anything once. Yep, I <laughs> so that. I I hope that when I'm, you know, in the nursing home that I'll be able to say, damn, she's fucking. Tried some crazy shit, but at least I can say that I did it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's a great answer. I love that.
0: <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Monica. I really, really appreciate your time. And Yay. I can't wait to have you back on the podcast already. <laughs> it's gonna yes.
1: be for sure. <laughs> oh, well, this is just this is just a conversation that you and I always have. It's just, it's cool that it was recorded. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope that the listeners
0: like it yeah exactly i'm definitely sure that they will there's so much in what we've just said that is so relevant to so many people um and i don't know about you but like as we were going through i'm like yeah we should definitely do another podcast expanding on this
1: that and the other things so oh yeah
0: um, yeah definitely i'm sure you find all the time so thank you so much thank you